Welcome to Odeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur Podcast, Episode 15. If you're ready to take your destiny into your own hands, you've come to the right place. This is Ordeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur, featuring interviews with the most exciting and amazing entrepreneurs across Africa. Here's your host, Chi Odogu. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in once again. I really, 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 really appreciate it. We've been um, experiencing a bit of a spike in the podcast since um, the beginning of the launch of the show. Um, so yeah, it just means that we're beginning to reach more and more people. People are beginning to love the show, share the show. This week alone, I got so many retweets, um, comments, likes, uh, shout outs, and emails. So thank you guys for all your support. And uh, of course, this week in the United States, it's Thanksgiving. So this is the thankful episode. Uh, just thankful and grateful to God for all the listeners of the show across the globe that have tuned in, listened, and liked, and are continuing to listen and recommend the show. I'm also thankful for the past guests and the present guests we have today and the future guests. Without these fantastic entrepreneurs responding to my emails, agreeing to do the show, you know, taking time out of their busy schedules to schedule an interview and then spending not the 30 to 45 minutes that I usually tell them would spend, but sometimes an hour, sometimes slightly more than an hour, you know, it's just... um. Very humbling for me to get that type of uh, attention and time from these very busy and successful people. So I just want to say a big thank you to everyone, all the past um, 14 guests that I've had on the show so far and all the other guests that have already been recorded and then will be released subsequently. just want to thank each and every one of you. And again, I'd also like to especially thank the listeners from all across the globe. We've had so many listeners from the United States. Uh, United Kingdom, Nigeria, Ghana, Kenya, Mozambique, Russia, China, Madagascar, uh, the Maldives. We've had a bunch of people in Fiji, in Australia, and France, in Cameroon, in Senegal, Burkina Faso, Cote d'Ivoire, and so many, many, many countries. So just a big thank you and a big shout out to all those people that have listened. In Cairo, obviously, never forget Cairo. Yes. <laughs> so just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you. I really appreciate you guys so much. And as we wrap up 2014, I just want to say that, you know what, you guys should look out for 2015 because we're going to be bigger, badder, and better than ever. It's just going to be a nonstop freight train of awesomeness from January all the way to December. The shows are going to come fast, furious, and frequent. It's going to be just back-to-back, power-packed. We've got some awesome celebrities that have t- are going to come on the show to talk about their businesses and their business models. I'm going to talk to some famous entrepreneurs from across Africa. And I've also started a new segment where we're going to introduce it to the show gradually to bring in other successful people that even though that they're not physically on the continent of Africa or they've not done anything specifically in Africa, their works are being used by people in Africa. So we're going to bring people online and on the show to teach you, you know, how to make another side income if you're working in Ghana and Kenya and Nigeria, wherever you may be. And, you know, the, the dollar, the naira, the CD, the CIFA doesn't go as far as it used to go, you know, with inflation and all that. So we're going to bring people to talk about, you know, how to make another income off what you currently know, all your skill sets, your your knowledge, your, your prior experiences, if you've lived abroad, you know, how to take advantage of what I like to call all the intangible assets that you already possess to make a living for yourself, be it online or offline. So you have you have a bunch of awesome people. I don't want to give the cat out of the bag prematurely, but you're going to get a lot of people that are going to talk about how to make a side income off the internet, selling your stuff on the internet, and all kinds of things, creating content, creating media. Maybe you like what I'm doing, and you'd also like to learn how to be a podcaster too and podcast to people based on your specific area of expertise. We'll have somebody to talk about that, or we'll have several people to talk about several types of um, online um, content creation tactics and um, strategies. So, yeah, that's it. 
Um, and now, I know this is going to be a very long introduction, but hey, it's Thanksgiving. I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for everything. And you know what? Yeah, let's just go with the flow. Maybe we'll just postpone the um, sponsorship commercials and get right on into the show because it's an awesome guest we have today, Susie Wakabi. And I don't want to take away the fact that you guys are hearing me talk on and on and on. But yeah, let's go. So before I go on into the show itself, I just want to give a couple quick shout-outs to Marsha Wright of MarshaWright.com. She was so gracious and kind to list us as one of the top podcasts to watch out for for 2015. That's so awesome of you, Marsha. We really appreciate that a lot. And also the MarketingPodcast.com, where the only African indigenous podcasting body to be ranked in marketingpodcast.com right now. And, you know, things like this have really started to bring different things and different people to our attention and, you know, expose us to other people that would typically have the reach and the ability to talk to. So we just want to thank the guys at marketingpodcast.com, Jay and his team, doing an awesome job over there. Yeah, so that's it. Um, so now let's get on with the rest of the show, and we're obviously talking to Susie Wakabi of Susie Beauty. Hi, good morning, guys. Welcome to the show. Today's guest is Susie Wakabi. She's the founder of Susie Beauty Cosmetics line in Kenya. Susie studied international relations in the United States and then worked with several companies such as Mac and Clinique, I believe, Susie? Yeah, right? Yes, yes, and yeah, clinic. Yeah. And then after a few years of working in the United States, she moved back to Kenya to work a little bit with companies such as Idol and several other fashion lines before she decided to launch her own company in 2009. She's been featured in Italian Vogue, True Love, Adam, Upscale, and also a spread in the New York Times magazine. Susie, welcome to the show. Could you please tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Sure. Um, I am born and raised in Kenya. Um, did all my schooling here um, and uh, moved, moved to the U.S. during my third year of college because my mom worked for the World Bank and was transferred um, so I had the option of finishing here or going there and I'm like, you know, let's, let's have a new experience. So uh, I was actually studying international relations, uh, um, which I, I knew that I might not do much with, but it was actually to give my parents <laughs> the degree. Um, and so I graduated in 99 in San Diego, and I lived in, in, in the California area for another year after that or so, just sort of figuring out corporate America and what I what I actually wanted to do because I had no idea after I after I graduated. Uh, my sister lived in New York and worked uh, in the fashion industry for a lot of like fancy brands, Armani and Daily Fisher and all that. So I I, I like that you know that that's cool. Um, I don't remember, but my friends tell me I was. You know, that, that always do everyone's makeup before we go out and that kind of thing. So I went I went to New York to go and, and find out about this fashion and, and beauty thing. And I dabbled actually in all facets of the fashion industry. There's many. It's apparel, it's cosmetics, it's eyewear, it's accessories. So I actually worked in each one um, in different capacities and different times and that's where I feel like I realized like my true love and passion for beauty and the beauty industry. Um, and there, yeah, so I, 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 uh, I got a job with Clinique. They trained me. It was really good because they, they, they trained from scratch. I had no experience. Um, and then thereafter I was, you know, I was very much into the makeup artistry of, of everything. Um, and so I, I wanted a job with Mac because Mac is, very much about makeup artistry. Okay. With Mac, the the training was really, really awesome and very intensive. Um, so that actually, I, I feel like molded some of my career mm -hmm. to date. Um, 
and I, so I, I, in, in the US I actually, um, my bread and butter job was with an, a, a designer eyewear company. I did product development for them. Okay. They trained me also. <laughs> I started off as, a, as just like an office assistant, ended up in the product development department, and they trained me to be a, a product uh, manager. So that also, I think, was quite instrumental to what I'm doing now because I learned a lot about product development and, you know, I'm the main product developer of my company. Anyway, so in, in 2007, after about nine and a half years away, moved back home, um, I had then my, uh, met my future husband and he, he was transferred by his job to come back to Kenya. And I was like, you know, this, this, and I always wanted to come back. And I, you know, uh, being, being, being in the U.S. forever was never an option. Okay. So I'm like, okay, that's great. That's a great opportunity. Let's do this. Let's go back home. And, but I, when I was like, let, let me go back home, I wasn't so sure what I was going to do because my daily life was doing this, you know, product development job for designer eyewear. Like, you know, I was working with brands like Gucci and Dior and, YSL and so I'm like what am I going to do at home and then the light bulb came and I'm like this is when I can go and do beauty full time because the industry is very underdeveloped mm -hmm. and I can go and see, take my skills whatever I've learned here go and do it there so we came back and I, I came back with a humongous suitcase full of makeup to come and work in the industry and I actually took a trip before I moved back to meet the relevant people in the industry so all the magazines and the TV stations and um, yeah because my specialty is media makeup I actually oh sorry I forgot to say I went to a media makeup school in LA okay um, about 10 years ago <laughs> oh gosh um, so so media makeup beauty makeup fashion makeup that's my you know interest and specialty mm. So I came, I came back with a whole bunch of stuff and came, hit the ground running. There was very, very few makeup artists in the industry. I, I think I had like two competitors or something like that. Um, so it was very easy for me to break in and make a, a name for myself. And so I got good contract, you know, with, with, a, with a big TV stations and with like Mnet um, doing most of their shows, uh, talk show, from talk shows to music shows to... Um, and then with the magazines, you know, doing all their fashion shoots. So it was like quite a good run. Um, and then I started running out of product from that big suitcase of mine. And I would ask people, like, where do I go replenish, you know, this eyeshadow or that foundation? You know, and I'm, I mean, I was used to using like the really good quality stuff. So I wasn't just going to buy any cheapo stuff from a, a little beauty shop in town. So... I used to find myself always having to either wait to travel mm -hmm. or wait for, you know, I'll call my brother who's in New Jersey and be like, please, you know, go to the Mac store and buy me these five things and he'll get it wrong and send the wrong. I laugh because I get those calls from my mom in Nigeria I and I get them wrong. <laughs> <laughs> can completely relate right <laughs> yeah <laughs> so, um so i'm like you know i can't keep doing this and then i i'm not traveling that often we live here now and we've we're trying to establish a life here so we have to figure out how to make it work here yeah so um so i uh, in january of 2009 i told my husband i'm like you know i'm just actually going to make my own because I'm tired of this process of trying to look for product. Because yeah, if, you know, some some did exist here, and but then I found like um, stuff I used to buy in the U.S. for fifteen or twenty dollars. I would have to buy for the equivalent of like ninety or a hundred here. Wow. I'm like, uh, so I'll just like use all the money I'm making to buy product that doesn't make any sense. And yeah, so and and you know, I mean, I'm like, you know, don't don't try and con us that much like it's it's <laughs> so i was like you know let me just try and i'll do this i'll do this I'll, I'll i'll make my own so and what 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 my point was there is to create this good quality product great quality 
that's actually affordable mm. for people like me who don't travel a million times a year, who are not, you know, buying stuff at duty free all the time and that kind of thing. So that's where it started from. Okay. Um, and then the the journey. I mean, I, I I keep saying I'm like, you know, what I woke up and told my husband, you know, let me just make my own. I say that that was a very naive statement <laughs> because I had no idea what oh. I was getting myself into. Oh wow! But um, probably what I was, I mean, probably part of my destiny. I, I believe in destiny, and this is what I was meant to do. I was meant to make that statement and make it happen. Nice. So let's talk about the beginning of the journey, for example. You said you studied international relations and your mom worked for the World Bank. So how did your parents take the news when you told them that, you know, you've gotten this great degree from the United States, you know, ready to go into foreign service, maybe in Kenyan government or World Bank or whatever. And then you say, no, I want to go do makeup. How did they react? So... <laughs> Of course, you can imagine you you have African parents, yeah. <laughs> and everyone must have a degree and must be a lawyer or a doctor oh, or an yeah. accountant. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Um, but so their reaction was actually it wasn't as bad as I expected because they they're like you know you have the paper, so fine. Now okay, you know if you must, then go venture out and find out what this thing is that you want to do. Like, we don't understand it. We don't know what you're doing. But they supported me. My dad is the one who even took me, sent, for, sent me to, to the, the makeup school in LA that I went to. Because I was like, you know, I love this beauty thing. I love this makeup thing. Um, so that was, that. yeah, it was a challenge. <laughs> but I, I think it's just in the past few years that they are seeing why things happened, how they <laughs> happened. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, actually, when I... Uh, I was going to say what. Um, when, I, when I started the company, that was another part of it. My parents also were, were with me. We were all together in the U.S. Okay. In different states, though. But we all moved back in the same year. Um, and they watched me, you know, do this um freelance makeup artistry thing my dad could not understand what i was doing like he 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 kept telling me that i decorate people's faces <laughs> like no i am a makeup artist like it's not that <laughs> that difficult to say um but you know so then he started seeing like you know the, like there's a lot of press around the beauty industry the fashion industry yeah. so he's seen in the papers and the magazines he's like okay so you might be doing something relevant but it wasn't until um i started the company and started developing the product and now we have shops and he's seeing you know a real business and real life and um so so now 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 he fully understands my mom is just like always very very supportive she's mm. like whatever you want yeah just do it as long as you're happy. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. So how did you go about developing the products? Because it seemed you were working more on the beauty and applications. And what were some of the, what I call it, idiosyncrasies you saw in terms of developing a product for the African woman, especially yeah. in Kenya, that now made you realize, hey, I have to get my own chemicals, my own formulations a certain oh. way before exactly. I launch my line. Because you could have just white-labeled another product from the United Absolutely. States or wherever. That's what, that's what a, lot, a lot of people do. And that's what you know I found during this process. So it started off, yeah. I, I, did, I did, it was about six months of just research. Okay. Just trying to figure out what do I want this product to be? What do I want this brand to be? And um, I knew working for a, a, like the, the cosmetics companies and working with so many different products um, I sort of knew what works in a certain product and what doesn't work in, in, in the other what makes it good or bad um, I'd, I'd done a lot of just like personal you know research uh, beforehand okay. so when it came to the time of developing this product I just you know picked up my old notes and went through them and I knew the ingredients that I wanted to use. I knew, uh, I also had to go to our local, you know, um, 
the standard bureau uh, to to make sure that the ingredients are all you know non toxic and legal and all that. So it was, and, and I also went to a professor, uh, the top professor at the our local university, to look through my ingredients and see is this uh, is this possible to manufacture locally. You know, who, I'm not a chemist who can help me mix them together. I know what I want. I know the textures I want. I know the 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 end result. Um, he looked through my ingredients list and he's like, "There's none, not even one of these ingredients locally available." Oh. So I would have to import every single one. Okay. Uh, plus the machinery, plus the expertise. If nobody's done it, that also brought me to a really good uh, point. If nobody's done it, then this is the first Kenyan makeup line. Yes. Because nobody's ever done it. Awesome. So let me also cater to us, the African or the Kenyan woman, and actually take it further to the African woman. So that's 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 what I started now creating the product to be. And um, I had to we had to go traveling. Like so, you know, the initial like funding all had to come my husband was working at the time and <laughs> He had to like fund the whole project because it was we had to travel to a few different parts of the world to look for manufacturer contract manufacturers who would understand that no all those things in your showroom no I'm not going to just put my logo on them I want to develop this product I I have developed you know certain things and I want you know to sit with a chemist and mix it and get and get the thing right so that that was you know another year. <laughs> long process mm. um, yeah so that's that's how I sort of started that's how we start we started off the product line um, and then you know there's a whole business aspect of things which when like I said it was a very naive statement I didn't realize that one day I'd be running a business with employees and accountants and lawyers and uh, you know dealing with investors and dealing with all this stuff that I was so unfamiliar with. Mm. I've always been in a very creative um, job. So, you know, and, and this is, it's not a comfortable place for creative people. So how did you make the mental leap between being a creative as well as becoming a businesswoman to run an enterprise of this size and stature? So, so it's just... Um, a lot of on-the-job learning? Yeah, I, I got a free business degree from running the business. <laughs> so, um, actually, why didn't I do business in, in college, right? Instead of I, I don't think it would have helped. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't yeah, matter. I've learned so much on the job yeah. that I would never have yeah. learned anywhere else. Because in so, business, I went to business school for undergrad. They teach you theory, and trust me, in real life, I'm sure you got matter. you got a much better education in real life than, than what they tell you in the textbook. Absolutely, that is right. Yeah, because I, yeah, you know, it's been it's been five and a half years, almost six years, running the business, and yes, it's been. Uh, I, I don't know. I probably have a few degrees <laughs> under my belt <laughs> without the paperwork. Yeah. Um, so, so it's, it, it was for me, um, this is just like something I have to do, have to make it work. I've started it and it has to get to the place that I, I can see it being. And so it was like, just like a complete like mental block of like, get out of your comfort zone. It's fine. You will not die. Mm -hmm. Learn some stuff and let's deal. Let's just deal and keep going. So. I mean, from even like just hiring people, hiring the right people, having the right people around me, um, has been has been uh, it. It was an uphill battle for a long time. Um, so fortunately, my my husband was always a director in the business since the beginning, um, and his background is in finance and operations. So he <laughs> later, after he he quit his job. Um, in about 2010 maybe and you know was sort of you know trying to help where he can with the operations and he would see me would see me running around like a headless chicken like just putting out fires all day every day 
and he 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 saw the need to step in a bit further. So that's what's actually like definitely helped us on the business end of things to get to another level. Okay. Uh, getting we 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 had to do oh the fundraising process. I think you will you will understand this <laughs> was the worst time of of the entire beginning. All right, right. So let's talk. Let's let's dive deeper into that. What was so terrible? What, what was so I wouldn't call it terrible. So let's call it uh, challenging. Yes. So could you imagine going to? Okay, we need. So I you know I figured out we need about close to two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars to get this show on the road because now we've traveled we've gone and found our contract manufacturers we've come up with a sample line Mm -hmm. this is like all on our own uh, dollar and then now we need the the mass money to get you know the product here after it's mass produced right um because all the manufacturers are all abroad um, so, so, and and they, you know, there's the minimum order quantities. You can only, you know, order this many of this thing, and so yeah, the, the costs went up, and we had to now look for funding, going to banks <laughs> to tell them, hi, um, yeah, we have this new business, and you know, this is a sample, and this is what we're trying to mass produce. So please, then, and all they want to know is how much you've sold so far. And I'm like, nothing yet, because I need a product to be here so I can sell. I mean, we were laughed out of many, many, many <laughs> banks. Um, so we, you know, then we also return to, you know, personal, private investors, uh, friends and family, whoever. We mm. did so many pitches. I did so, so, so many. Um, with all the investors, whichever pitch we would give, we, for the most part, we would get an offer. But they know that, you know, we're new, des- kind of desperate. Mm-hmm. We want to be done. So they want to, like, control stuff and own too much. Yeah. So we had to reject so many of the offers. Okay. We finally found um, two investors that got it and were not trying to kill us. Um, just like, you know, investment groups. Actually. Okay. Not, yeah. Okay. So two of them we took on. Um with that, we gave out, out um, less than 20% of the company, which mm. we always wanted to maintain. Okay. Um, and then, um, with some influence from, from one of the investment groups, we got a, a, a loan from a bank for the remainder okay. of the money. Oh, wow. So, they, they supported your application for a loan from the bank? So the well, well, um, yeah, they actually, they actually, it was, it was actually personal relationships that they had with the bank. Okay. Because they're behind us. Okay. It made. The ba- it made sense for the bank because those guys were behind you. Okay. Exactly. But initially, the banks did not want to touch you because you're a new startup, oh, no track yeah. record, yeah. nothing. Yeah. But you know, the collateral we have to give collateral. Yes, the of collateral course. Yeah. And whatever. So, um, yeah, and um, you know, I mean, things have progressed since then we 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 managed to at least la- like get the mass product here launch the product um and then we we also uh, got a new investor this year um because things things are changing things are going to another level we have to streamline a lot of things in the company um you know get more funding and that kind of thing so Right now, where we stand, it's a really, it's a, it's a very like neat group of people involved in the management and in the board, um, and we're all on the same page with the same vision. Okay. Yeah, but yes, that I mean, fundraising is just like it's the worst thing ever. Okay. And if you had to do it all over again, would you? Advice like a young startup to raise capital because the project, the project you're run, you're running, Suzy Beauty, is obviously capital intensive. Do you think um, I don't know? Maybe you would have worked a few more years before so that you could use, use more of your savings to launch it, or or you'd still go the same route? No, I think I'd still go the same route because I also learned a lot. Okay. Um, even you know like falling flat on my face many times was very helpful because mm. now I know now I know I mean 
I could have done it a different way and then tried this later <laughs> when I can't handle it. Yeah. <laughs> so no, so you know all the all the all the problems that brought. I think it's all for a reason. I, yeah. I really believe in that. So all all negatives are a lesson learned. Okay. Cool. So I noticed that your products are actually very affordably priced compared to the international brands. Now, given that you manufacture the products overseas, do you do you manufacture in Kenya currently, or no, is it still no, done overseas? It's still locally. Okay. But manufacturing is done abroad. Okay. So how are you able to maintain your pricing structure to keep costs low and keep it attra- keep the products attractive to your that's, yeah that that was part of even looking for the right manufacturer okay. because that that's one of the main things about the beauty is the quality and affordability mm-hmm. apart from a few others but then those two are really really vital because that's what was lacking yeah. that's what's been lacking plus you know color ranges and uh, products that actually work on our skins and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, so um, yeah, the manufacturers that that was the agreement from the beginning. They understand that I have. To, um, yes, so so yes, the the affordability is really important. All our um, all our products range between um, I'm going to say about uh, nine to sixteen or seventeen dollars. Okay. Um, as, and and all our all our competition is only international brands. There's no other local brand. Um, if there are, there's, they're very small, and we don't compete with them. Um, so we sit, you know, in in department stores, in pharmacies, and beauty shops with these international brands, and directly compete. So that's you know, for me, that for me is like major as it is. Yeah. Because I, I know that, as especially in Africa, when you're importing stuff, the taxes and the tariffs and the duties that layer on products, I'm sure that's why most of these um, companies are having their products sold at such high price points because yeah. of those duties. But your importation is really difficult and yeah. very expensive. Exactly. Um, yeah, so we just... We just um, we take that all into consideration. We just, you know, um, make sure everything makes sense. Um, I don't know if you've heard, but um, cosmetics um, is the, uh, is like the highest <laughs> highest margin business. Yeah. Outside of illegal drugs. <laughs> 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 I heard that one time and I was like. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that's because I, I actually interviewed a gentleman out of Cameroon, um, huh. Christian Ngan. He's the founder of Madeleine Casales, and he he left his company in France to start the organic beauty range in Cameroon. Uh-huh. And so he, we had a long chat about this. Yeah. yeah. It's a very, it's a, a high high volume, high margin business. Yes, uh, and, and I know I've, and I've spent many, many, many hours taking my mom and my sister to the mall. I can imagine. So I know how these things go. Plus the beauty industry, you know, it's it's one of the only recession-proof industries. Yes, yes. you always have to look good. Okay, <laughs> to get their beauty products. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's interesting. So you're competing head-to-head with these international brands now um i know in africa sometimes there tends to be a bias towards um foreign brands as opposed to buying like local um indigenous brands did you face those challenges Uh, well you know in the beginning i mean when i was putting together the entire um product and company and all that but um everyone was everyone's question was Oh, how are you going to convince people to buy Kenyan product? Mm-hmm. You know, they they like foreign product. I'm like, you know, I hope to touch some patriotism in people, and also this is the first time that this product has been custom made for you, mm-hmm. the Kenyan African woman. Why would that deter you? So, and that's actually exactly what has worked to our favor. Oh, wow. They, they, yeah, they, they, they love it, they get it, they, they, they touch it, they see it, and 
keep coming back. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you have any plans to make um, your manufacturing facilities in Kenya, or you still continue to import? Well, that's the ultimate goal. Okay. Right? Um, by the time I retire in a few years, <laughs> I wa- I would love you know to locally manufacture, even just like for the sake of um, pro- even you know product development would be so much easier if it's all here where I am. You know, going back and forth from here and so far is is very difficult. Okay. Um, so if if I got the opportunity to locally manufacture, that would be ideal. It's very, but it's very expensive. Even just you know the cost of power yes. on its own is so expensive here. Yeah. So it doesn't. It of course it doesn't. It makes no business sense right now. Mm. But I hope that is the you know that's my ultimate dream. To locally manufacture. Okay. Now, Susie, let's take a quick pause right here and thank our sponsors before we get on with the rest of the show. Now, close your eyes and repeat after me. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. But guess what, guys? You can still find a home away from home if you go to jovega.com. Jovega.com is a leading hotel booking platform with over 5,000 hotels across Nigeria. So, whether you're visiting friends or attending a special event, you can be rest assured knowing that you'll find a nice place to get a good night's rest. Go to jovega.com. That's J-O-V-A-G-O.com for more details. Looking to make secure and hassle-free transactions online? Want to take control of all your bills and be the master of your universe? Just Paga it. Paga is Nigeria's premier e-payment solution that makes it extremely easy to conclude transactions online. Whether it's paying your bills or online shopping, Paga has got you covered. Just Paga it. Go to mypaga.com, that's M-Y-P-A-G-A.com for more details. Your cash, anytime, anywhere, Paga. And we're back. So, Susie, what countries are you currently selling your products? So, right now, um, we, okay, here, of course, in, in Kenya, Kenya. Uh, in Nairobi, we have um, three of our own, um, we, call, we call them mall carts, so in, the, in three major malls. Okay. Um, and then we, we also distribute out of uh, our sort of depart, only department store, Nakumat. Um, uh, we are we're in a few of their outlets, and then a few beauty shops, a few salons, a few pharmacies, um, and then in in uh, two or three other towns in Kenya. Okay. And then within um, the continent, we have a distributorship in Kampala, in Uganda, in Addis, Ethiopia, really, and in Cote d'Ivoire, and. Um, I was in uh, Lagos in April, or May, no, March, March or April, okay. for, um, you know, Tara? Yes. House of Tara? House of she, Tara, yes. yeah. Yeah, so they invited us to come and join this makeup conference. Um, so, and for me, it was an opportunity to also go and get some distributorship. Okay. In, because I know that market is humongous. Oh, gigantic. I know, I know. I mean, those girls don't play. No way. Everyone perfect <laughs> everyone wears makeup everyone wears it well um so they understand you know the need for makeup and the need for good makeup mm-hmm. um so that's definitely a market i'm very interested in so we're looking into distributorship there okay and uh, also in uh, ghana and south africa oh wow okay so three currently and then obviously three more three. in the pipeline Exactly. Wow. And how, how, how would you, um, maybe this is from a tactical standpoint, but how would you want to see your brand enter those countries? Do you want to, like, have a joint venture or you want them to kind of make it kind of like a franchise model? Well, you know, we've, we've talked about franchising. Um, we've talked about just, like, even individual distributors, mm. people with beauty shops, people who understand the market. Okay. Um, for me, that's really important because I don't. I mean, we're still trying to conquer the Kenyan market. market. Yeah. 
So I, I, I don't, we don't have the wherewithal to try and conquer these other um, markets, and every, every, each one is different. So um, my ideal situation would be just like somebody who gets the market, somebody who can distribute um, in the right way, you know, with our all our um, requirements and specifications, and represent the brand well. And get and, and you know find a way to penetrate the market because we I I, I wouldn't know. Um, so we have somebody actually yeah like two active uh, people in in a few in, in, no sorry three in SA in uh, Ghana and in Nigeria just trying to figure out how best it would work in their markets because yeah it's all different. Yeah. Even so- even you know, I'm also talking to. House of Tara because they distribute for other brands, mm. so maybe it's possible that we collaborate somehow. Yeah. So, what were some of the lessons you learned going into Uganda, Ethiopia, and Cote d'Ivoire? Um, you know, nothing, nothing major, okay. nothing dramatic, because it's literally people who have, are like, "Wow, we like your product. Um, we've tested it in the market. Mm-hmm. We want an order." <laughs> and then they distribute. Okay. So it's actually been that simple. Um, but I don't know if it will be that simple in in other places. And you know, in, you know, there's people in the UK who are like, you know, can we distribute in the European market? Because there's a, a huge African population everywhere. Yeah. Um, we've sponsored some events in Paris, so they want product. Lupita, you know, wore our lipstick. Big L. Queen Latifah show, so America wanted the product. Wow. Now we're trying, so we're trying to get onto like Amazon and see. Uh, we have some proposals from a few different people there, so it's a lot of um, back and forth and a lot of trying to figure out. Actually, that's what it that that's what this whole thing is. Uh, as a pioneer brand, mm-hmm. um, you have to figure out a lot of stuff from scratch. There's nobody to follow. Like there's, you know, nobody's done it. So you have to, you have to figure it out, and a lot of trial and error. And so we just have to have the capacity to do that and the courage to do it. It must be very exciting too. I mean, to have your products requested by all these countries and your your main challenge is just being able to figure out which one and where and how. Which one, how how it can work. Yeah. Work somewhere from you know, the other thing, and <laughs> that's yeah. a good problem to have. <laughs> it, you know what? That 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 was um, that was um, one of my 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 greatest like sort of like oh, a small pat on my back is the uptake and the recept- reception. You know, people like it. People want it. Like fantastic. So I did something right. Yes. Um, and yeah, just just like you know, watching it grow every single day, it's, it's amazing. Now, speaking of growth, I mean, I know you're still a private company, so without diving too much into the details, could you tell us a little bit about maybe your ballpark growth rate or profitability, revenue, whatever you feel comfortable sharing? Okay, I'll tell you. I can tell you that from our first month selling mm-hmm. to this last month selling so it's been about two two years and a bit that we've been retailing okay um and it's about six times yeah i mean i don't know how many hundreds of percent that is but um it's what we were selling on the first month. We're selling times more. Whoa. Yeah. That's, inc- so, that's incredible. And, and we have, uh, I mean, you know, like so many, of course, t- targets and plans. And so hopefully, um, you know, by the end of the year, early next year, it, you know, things will keep changing and getting bigger and better. Yes. Especially with, with, you know, more international penetration. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. 
So, um, on the back of starting a new company, there's um, like maybe a side issue I'd like to talk about, which is um, what are your thoughts on the growing youth unemployment problem? Because this show mainly caters to you know young people that are trying to start companies or young startup founders that are working on their businesses. But the biggest challenge Africa has is Africa is a young continent. You know, we have a very huge population. But we also find that people, young kids are going to school, graduating, and then the jobs are not there to support the population as it was in the past. So, so what my thoughts are on that, um, it's, for me, there's, it's also that the mindset of this generation. Okay. Um, I mean, I hire a lot of young people. We have uh, 15 sales girls in the field selling at our different outlets. And to get the team to be as right as it is now was the biggest uphill battle ever. Okay. Getting, getting people to be dedicated to their jobs, to want to work, to work the right way, to work according to, you know, a protocol and all that. It's difficult. But, you know, there's, there's, there's a few gems out there and some diamonds in the rough and that kind of thing. And I, I also have a, an internship program going and some, you know, some people, I'll, I'll find some that are really, really dedicated and hardworking, but others are just, they, 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 there's this entitlement thing where they don't feel like they, you know, need to work that hard or, you know, need to show up on time or need to, and I don't know, I, I, there's a, a certain mentality and I, I talk about this with a lot of fellow like business people who are hiring younger people and it's very different. I, I mean, I remember myself at, you know, 22, 23, 24 and the work ethic was... I mean, it was very different in my, I remember, in my head, I have to get to work on time, I have to be at work until the end, I might, you know, even do extra, like, but a lot of them don't have it, and then, so, you know, that's, that's, for me, it's it's a, it's, you know, it's an actual, real um, experience thing, where I'm, I'm I'm watching them, and, I mean, we'll, we'll do interview after interview, they'll come in, um, work for a day and be like, yeah, I don't feel like doing this. <laughs> and before, when they were coming for the interview, they were like, this is this this will make and you know this will make me. I'm so happy. I'm so proud to be here. So you're like, where's the disconnect? Where, like, what did you expect? Like, you don't expect to work hard. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. That's nah, yeah. That's my um, that's my view. But uh, like I said, there's certain um, gems and there's certain diamonds in the rock. But yeah, there's, 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 I don't know. I don't know if it's how they're taught or what they're taught. And there's this entitlement thing. Okay. And do, do you have training programs and systems in place to, at least for the gems and the diamonds in the rough that you discover to, to build yeah. up their skill set? Even my internship program, um, I think the first time I interviewed 30 people to get three. And um, one out of those three uh, from about a year and a half ago is still with me. Oh, wow. Um, trained under me as a makeup artist. She's in college as well. So <clears throat> she has she has a lot more experience than you know, some makeup artists in the field because of, you know, the jobs that she's been exposed to because of working for Suzy Beauty, working under me and that kind of thing. So yes, I have this, um, uh, our internship program and then we have our, our sales consultants um, who work, um, you know, selling, selling, selling the product in the field but also trained by me, you know, work with me and my training manager. Um, and then we also ha we actually have a training program to train 
professionals to go work in the industry. That's great. That's great. So now, Susie, let's switch gears a little bit as we start to wind down and wrap up the show. Um, are these final sets of questions are kind of focused on you personally as an entrepreneur. So could you tell us about a significant personal failure you've experienced and how you recovered from it? Uh, as an entrepreneur or personal? Personal, personal. It could be as an entrepreneur or, you know, something, some challenge that you faced personally in your life. And that was... Um, <coughs> well, I always say entrepreneurship is a very lonely place. Um, I mean, gee, there's so many days that even now that I'm just like, oh, I just know this is going to be such a rough day. And I would rather not get up in the morning or just like, you know, go from... The, from my bed to go under it and hide from everything because it's just like rough and I have for me I have a young family mm. and a young business both at the same time most people are smarter and don't <laughs> <laughs> to put everything on your plate all at the same time so I mean I think every day is a challenge um if it's you know, I have I have two boys, I have a husband, I have a home to run, and I have a full business to run, and a lot of employees who like also want my uh, time and attention, and um, uh, I do a lot of PR. I do a lot, you know. So even you know the, the days that I don't feel like you know getting up to go and fix this problem or do that interview or you know I have to just pick myself up and fix it and do it so yeah is that is it possible to say that every day is a challenge it looks sometimes i'm sure to a lot of people it looks all like fun and glamorous but uh a lot of it is not <laughs> it's a lot of grind yeah mm-hmm. and then how do you how do you how do you balance that um um grind between work and life like how do you how do you manage it? So you just said you have a young family and a young business. Also, how do you have like six six p.m. is my cutoff time, and then it's family time or? Oh no! So well for me because I okay. So my boys are my priority. Yeah. So for the most part, from three p.m. when I pick them up from school, I do I do as much as possible between like eight a.m. and three p.m all meetings, all interviews, like all, everything. Mm. Um, because from 3 p.m. I'm with them. I pick them up from school and I, I it's, it's mommy and boys time for as much as I can. If, you know, if it's something really important or urgent, I'll just have to um, leave them. I have I have a good nanny and all that. But I also, you know, I'm, I'm trying to raise them. So I, I try to be there. Um, I also have very supportive parents who, you know, if I need to take them there or something, then it's okay if my husband and I are working. Um, so most of the time, from 3 p.m. to about 7 or 8, is downtime. It's like I, I don't do much. I don't do much with work. And then I start working again <laughs> at that time okay. until whenever I need to. Because it's a lot of, like, returning calls, answering emails, like, at that, you know, at the end of that, the day. And if there was anything you could do to, well, I mean, you already said, you know, you have the two simultaneously. Would you, um, let's put it this way, do you think you would have waited until maybe your boys had grown up a little bit before you started your business or you started your business first and then while it's mature, just just to get a sense of the yeah. balance, because I know for different people it's different at different times. Yeah. You know, I actually I think I I mentally prepared myself to know that I, I mean, uh, my husband and I got married. We knew we were having children, uh, you know, quickly, mm. um, and I was also going to start the business. 
the mental preparation was actually it's just going to be a very 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 insane few years mm-hmm. so i plan <laughs> because i'm i'm now 37 my youngest baby is almost two there's no other none none other coming don't don't, don't mistake that <laughs> um, did you tell that to your husband <laughs> uh i to- he told me also don't worry <laughs> Are so sure we have two boys? Like can't imagine. Mm. So um, I want by like the time I'm forty, to things to have calmed down. Like the boys will be a bit older. The business will be more mature. Um, things might be running themselves a little bit better. Um, yeah, and I I I start to I f- I feel like you know from forty onwards it will be a different type of lifestyle and life. Like I want to travel. I want to, you know, you know, do a few things a year that I've never done before. And so, yeah. That's uh, what, what are some of those things that you want to do that you haven't done before? Sorry. What are some of those things that you want to do that you haven't done before? Oh, I, I want to travel. I want to travel a lot. I want to, and and for me, even that's like you know, inspiration for what I do. Okay. Want to you know go riding bikes in like a little village in France? Like I want to go kayaking in uh, some little town in Italy. I don't know. Like I just want to do different Ex- stuff exp- and explore more of life. Huh? Explore more of life. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Because right now it's it's such a grind, so it has to it has to calm down at some point the grind that's interesting and what were some of the books software tapes messages that were inspirational to you at the beginning of your journey um at the beginning of my journey um or in general i'll I'll tell you who's like who i really look up to um i don't know if you uh, if you know Bobby Brown, oh yes, I've seen um, a documentary on her. Yes. And plus, so, I'm familiar in the house. We have a ton of Bobby Brown's products. So. Okay. <laughs> so she is somebody I very much look up to nice. because she started off as a makeup artist, mm. saw something lacking in the market, created her own brand. Um, her brand, you know, did so well so quickly. She was acquired by conglomerate as they and but she still has like full creative control of the brand and of uh, of her line and, and that kind of thing and she lives uh, as far as I've read and, and you know I have seen she has this very simple life in Montclair New Jersey like taking care of her boys and her family and running her business with a lot of you know support and a very successful business and life and that that she seems you know she seems really content um so she's definitely somebody um i look up to um yeah and and you know i have i have some some makeup artist greats that i always look to and i always think about and i always look at their works um one of who passed away called kevin okwan and the other one is sam fine um, and just like seeing their work and seeing, you know, that 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 was actually my initial inspiration. And of course, like you know, my number one, you know, people I look up to are the founders of Mac, okay. Frank and Frank. Um, you know what they did, how they started. Uh, same thing as me. One was a photographer, one was a makeup artist. They came up with a line together because there was stuff lacking in the market. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Those are I like. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I read a lot about the industry. I, I researched a lot, you know, before. So there's a few that touch me. <laughs> nice. Okay, so if you were to have like a dinner conversation with Bobby Brown, for example, if you guys were to go to a nice restaurant somewhere and sit down, just the two of you, what are yes. some of the questions you would ask Bobby Brown? Oh my gosh, I would love to know what her challenges were 
especially at this point. She she follows me on Twitter. Really? And I keep like like DM her and she no, she doesn't answer. <laughs> <laughs> that dinner would be outstanding. Yes, I just want to know is this, you know, some of the things I go through. I'm like, is that normal? Like did I really need to go through that? Is it it doesn't have to be this hard sometimes. Um and and just uh, sort of I don't know get some encouragement. Oh okay. Uh, yeah. And and you know talk about bringing she she has she has three boys, um, so we're not you know I have one less than her and she she so she runs a family she runs a company she she's she's somebody that oh gosh that dinner would be outstanding. <laughs> 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 I think I think we need to try and set up that dinner very soon. Could you find her? Let's do this. No, definitely, <laughs> definitely. I'll put I'll put it on one of my to dos. I promise you. Even if even if it means getting a phone call out of it from her to you. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Uh, awesome. That's great. And so now, as we start to wind down. Um, what advice would you give to, you know, young graduates or young people that are looking to start a business in Africa or take, for example, like you were a, an African returnee that is looking to come back home to do a venture? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just like you need a certain level of um, bravery. Um, and then um, whatever it is that you think you want to do, you now number one thing you must have is pure passion for this thing that you decide you want to do. Oh. You there's no way you can survive without that. You have to be able to live it and do it, or it will collapse. There's a there's absolutely a reason why 90% of startups fail in their first year because somebody started it, because somebody else had it, and they think they can do it, and they don't even care about it. You have to completely love it. Um, I would not have survived without all the passion that I have. Mm. Um, Sometimes I wonder if I'm going to survive, but, you know, so far so good. Um, And so I call it the three Ps, passion, patience, and perseverance. Those other two Ps I have learned like you know like the business degree that I got on the job I have learned to have a very strange amount of perseverance and patience because 99% of everything you plan or think will work out a certain way will not and then you just have to keep going and figure out the next step go to plan B do whatever it needs to do needs to be done to make the thing happen Passion, patience, and perseverance. My three P's. Three P's. And I guess my other question would be, if you were to be able to time travel back to, let's call it 2009, when you were first starting out, what's the one piece of critical advice you'd want to give yourself before you started? Um, to just be careful about partnerships okay. to take on. On, on why? Uh, because for us, for me, like one of one of the main partnerships that we took on had you know, fell apart, and it's you know it's costly and it's draining and it's you know stressful. Um, so just you know be sure about the alignment that you have with whoever you are getting together with in business, especially, yeah? Um, don't don't jump into things, don't rush into things. I thought I wasn't, and I, I actually, you know, I, I for the most part I wasn't, but one of the partnerships we got into didn't, you know, was not a good one. So alignment is really, really important, and just make sure everyone on the same page and understand um, you and what you want and what you're doing and how you want to do it. So be careful about 
part of make yourself the priority not them pardon me make yourself the priority not them okay mm. that's good and now Susie this is um the end of the show just like to thank you for coming and sharing your experiences with us it's really, really Thank been a pleasure and a treat to learn about Suzy Beauty, your adventures of starting this business and running it, and obviously your aspirations to grow across Africa and your personal aspirations to talk to Bobby Brown, which I'm definitely going to try and work out since it's not too far from me. If she, Find her. If she's in Montclair, no, that's not too far. <laughs> definitely going to. Awesome. At least, even if it's to get a call or a card or something, I'm making it a mission to get in touch with Bobby Brown. That is music to my Thank you. Uh, and so, before you go, do you have any final words of wisdom for our listeners out there? Um, just my favorite thing is um, everything always works out in the end. Mm. So, if it hasn't worked out, it's not the end. Okay. Wow. So just like basically, it's it's just saying don't give up. Don't give up. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, thanks, thanks, thanks a lot, Susie. Really appreciate the time. Thank you. Also, it was so good talking to you. Likewise. And All right. Bye. Take care. Take care. Bye bye. And there you have it, guys. A fantastic conversation with a fantastic entrepreneur, Suzy Wakabi of Suzy Beauty. So just wanted to remind you guys that you should, you know, follow your passion, follow your dream. And as Suzy said with her three Ps, passion, perseverance, and patience, your endeavor, your project, whatever it is that you're trying to launch or trying to kick, set up the ground and kick in motion, you're probably going to face a lot of obstacles. But you should never forget that. You need the same passion to keep you going that you had when you first got the idea, all the way through launching the idea, executing the idea, and realizing the dream. You also need to be patient with yourself because things are not going to work out the way you expect them to work out. You know, you make course corrections, course adjustments, and changes and modifications along the way, and you just got to persevere and persist. You know, those are the main ingredients for success. And I'm sure, as you guys already listen to the show constantly, you will know that every entrepreneur usually has to face their own obstacles and um, challenges on the road to success. So these three key characteristics and traits are extremely essential for you to make a success of what you're doing. So till next time, guys, take care. Have fun, you know, work hard, do your best, and of course, stay bulletproof. Chi, out. Don't let another minute go by without taking action to change your life. Visit Ordeshi.com right now for more incredible resources, and we'll see you next time on Ordeshi, the Bulletproof Entrepreneur.